Hello and welcome to Automators, the automation podcast about automating all the things to automatically do all of your automated work for you. Um, and maybe some other automation thrown in there. I'm Rosemary Orchard and I'm joined as always by David Sparks. Hey, David, how are you? Oh, I felt that intro was hardly automatic. I mean, it was great. <laughs> that was well, great. that's the thing. We don't script the show. Uh, you know, we have an outline. Um, it's more of a guideline than a set of rules. But yeah, I mean, th this is how automation goes, right? You start by solving one problem, and then you realize that the problem is actually something totally different. And voila, suddenly you've automated a whole bunch of stuff. Automation is so fun, Rose. I mean, just the other night, again, my refrigerator door was left open. The alarm yeah. went off. I didn't hear it. Things in my house turned red. My wife said, what is that? And I told her, and she looked at me like I was kind of cool. And I like oh, that. You know? oh. I, like, I like looking cool to my Excellent. wife. Excellent. Home acceptance factor yeah. winning right there. There we go. Anyway, uh, today we are here to talk about automation, uh, particularly hardware launchers. We in the last episode we we you know went into the discussion of some of the software keyboard launchers we've got out there, um, and we thought it'd be fun to follow that up with the physical buttons you press that relate in automation. And there's quite a few of them. You know, there's lots of different ways to go around it. We've got a lot of hardware we're going to be talking about today. This may be a protect your wallet kind of episode. You may hear about something that you feel like you need. Um, so you have been warned. Um, but I think this will be fun. Yeah, yeah, it definitely will. And it's one of those things, um, you know, Christopher Lawley kind of, um, you know, dangled the white rabbit in front of us a little bit when he was on because he was talking about macro pads and fancy keyboards and so on. But there is a lot more to hardware launchers than, you know, just dedicated hardware because a lot of this can start right back with the hardware that you already have in front of you, namely your keyboard, your mouse or trackpad, um, and, you know, if you if you still got one of those, maybe even a touch bar and you can do a heck of a lot with those to automate stuff and launch things and, and run magic right before your very eyes and under your fingertips. All right. So let, let's dig in with the stuff you probably already have on your desk. And, and starting with that, I think, would be the keyboard. You mm -hmm. know, um, we talk about this all the time, but your keyboard is the ultimate hardware automation launcher. and uh, you know, keyboard shortcuts are always a discussion regarding automation. There's a lot of great ways to do them. Um, you know, like you said, we, we've we done cool stuff in the past, like uh, launching pallets out of Keyboard Maestro. But just the actual hardware itself is worth a discussion. Um, and I think a big piece of this for folks who haven't discovered it yet is the hyper key. And uh, Brett Terps is the first one I heard mention this, but I think he got it somewhere else. But the, the hyper key is what, what Brett refers to as the combination of shift, control, option, and command, those four keys together, which are fairly close on your keyboard. But any keyboard shortcut that starts with holding down four modifier keys is going to be a little bit of a you know finger pretzel to get that done. So Brett's idea or somebody's idea was to remap the caps lock key to press those four buttons together. And um, so you press those four together, then you've got a full keyboard of, uh, of automation triggers that no other app has ever used because this is a feature that just doesn't exist anywhere else. And uh, I think it's a really great idea. Yeah, it really is because it's one of those things where 
adding a new keyboard shortcut, and just to be clear, in Mac system preferences or system settings, depending on which version you're running, if you open up the, the keyboard uh, system preference pane, then you can actually assign keyboards to pretty much anything in any application uh, you like, or rather than assign keyboards, you can assign keyboard shortcuts. That's the word. Yeah. Um, and this is really useful. And also you can turn off keyboard shortcuts. So for example, turning the dock hiding on and off is something I never, ever, ever want to do. Uh, I, I will find another way to do it when I need to do it. But doing it with command option D, no thank you. So I've just unchecked that. And if you just uncheck it, then it just doesn't run. Um, but you can, of course, change these to other things as well. And there's a section here called App Shortcuts. Um, and App Shortcuts will let you then, uh, if you click on the plus, you can choose a specific application or you can choose all applications. And then you can type in the menu title of the uh, menu command that you want to run. Um, and this is just very useful for the this application has this function, which is under this keyboard shortcut. And then my brain thinks that it's under that keyboard shortcut in another app. So I'll do that there. But you combine that with the hyper key and bam, you're everywhere. Because the hyper key, the idea is you can still use your caps lock key like a caps lock key. So if you just talk, like tap it, then it'll toggle it on or off. So if it was off, it'll be on. And if it was on, it'll be off. But if you press and hold it and then press something else, then it runs a keyboard shortcut because it's the combination of the keys together. Um, and so you don't lose any functionality. You're only gaining functionality. And I think that's what's really, for me, so magical about this. And for people who are going, okay, but how do I how do I set this up so that the caps lock key does that? I'm, I'm just going to say the magic words, uh, which is better touch tool. Um, it's yeah. a magic name, really. <laughs> uh, better touch tool, if you don't have it, um, it's going to be very useful for a bunch of the stuff that we're going to talk about here. Um, but it actually has a hyperkey function built in. Um, and I'll yeah. link folks to the docs on that so that you can just set that up and bam, off you go. Um, but it, it is really useful. And, you know, depending on your keyboard layout, you may not have lots of keys or you may have loads of keys. Um, but imagine using, um, you know, that in combination with specifically the number keys on a number pad, if you've got one of those, or if you um, just have uh, a keyboard that like it just has, you know, letters, uh, some basic function keys and the arrow keys, and there's no home or page up, page down, or even function keys, you know, you're, you're going to want to get as many keyboard shortcuts out of this as you can with such a small space. That's, that's where the hyper key really comes into play. I try to use hyperkey shortcuts for global shortcuts. Like I have tons of shortcuts that are triggered in specific apps. And I do this largely using keyboard maestro because you can have scripts that um, only run when a certain app is active and then you can apply shortcuts. So when I'm in mail, you know, uh, option D will do something that when I'm in, you know, Safari does something different. So that those key mappings change depending on the application. But for me, a hyper key shortcut is one that I want to be able to run anywhere at any time. So it's like, I almost have this thing where it's like, is it worthy of the hyper key? You know, <laughs> like um, the setups is one that's absolutely worthy. I think we're going to do a show on setups because I've been thinking about this a lot lately, but just where like when, before I started recording today, I hit hyper key plus s which is the setups conflict palette and keyboard maestro and then i said typed au for automators and it loaded all the apps to do a recording of the show and the recording software and 
turned off the other apps I didn't need. And it just, you know, it just set everything up for me. Uh, you do this with bunch, but you can trigger them the same way with the hyper key. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just really fun to, um, you know, to use that, that additional hyper key. And like Rose said, you can do it with better touch tool. Um, yeah. You touched, you touched on something else though, that I want to mention. And that is, um, your keyboard itself. Like, you know, there are different keyboards out there. Let's talk about the world of Apple keyboards before we get into some of the, the others, but the, um, you know, Apple has some great keyboards they're making these days and they've done a, a good job of remapping the function row to common features that you would want, you know, starting and stopping music and turning up and down brightness, things like that. But you can also toggle those to be function keys if you want. Mm -hmm. And there's even a system setting. So if you'd want, like maybe you're, maybe you're in Final Cut and you want to remap the function keys to do specific functions related to Final Cut, you can do that and then basically disable the built-in functions or toggle them off. And then you've got a row of 12 keys there on the smallest keyboard that you can use as custom keys without any modification, you know, and then then think about adding control option, you know, hyper key to those function keys. And you've got, you know, 24, 36, 48 different buttons you can map out right there. Yes, exactly. And it's one of those things where um, what I would highly recommend people do when they start going and adding these keyboard shortcuts is the temptation is to go, oh, right. And I'm just going to add all of the keyboard shortcuts. And then you don't use any of them because you don't remember them. It's just like add one at a time and give yourself like a I don't know, five minutes of using it or half an hour of using it, however long it it, it works best for you. And then add the next one or, or just add a few and come back a day later and add a few more. Because it's so tempting to just go and add a load more. But then you forget how many keyboard shortcuts are there. And I feel like actually um, I'm going to have to check after the show because uh, my work laptop is totally flat. So I can't actually boot it to check um, which application I've got installed on there. But there are some great apps where if you press and hold the command key, just like on iOS and iPadOS, um, you get a little popover on screen, which will show you all the keyboard shortcuts that you have set up for that app or the come default in that app, which is also very useful. If you've got something where it's like, why is this not working? You can find out what the conflicting application is and go, oh, I'm going to go disable you because you don't get to run that keyboard shortcut. I installed something the other day that tried to take over Command Shift 4, which is my, my favorite screenshot action. And uh, yeah, that didn't last very long before I turned off that. Uh, particular keyboard shortcut in that app. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's really good to, you know, be able to like build this stuff up over time. And also the other thing I'd recommend is think of what keyboard shortcuts you're already familiar with from other applications and then reuse those. So one that I use very frequently um, in uh, PHP Storm, which I use at work, is Command-Shift-D, which reformats the file or the, the selected piece of text. So if I'm thinking of, you know, like, oh, I want to add a reformat action into any other app, then I'm going to use that same keyboard shortcut for consistency across those applications. Um, and that makes it a lot easier for me to, you know, go ahead and, and do that sort of thing because I've already got that muscle memory from all of those other applications. Yeah. I mean, and, and what Rose said about mastering one before you pick up another one is absolutely true. I recommend, you know, you, you don't start a new one until the one you just created becomes second nature, but that's honestly, I think one of the attractions of the stream deck, and we'll talk about the stream deck later in this episode, but because the stream deck allows you to create a graphical icon for the button that makes the, 
the internalization process much easier and allows them to switch based on app and, you know, the buttons can become dynamic. But I think that's one of the reasons why all of us nerds are so excited about the stream deck is because you don't have to like internalize, well, what is, you know, option F10 do again? You know, I can't remember. And so, so it basically allows you to graphically represent it. But now Rose mentioned earlier, the extended keyboard. Well, that's another entire set of hardware triggers, right? Because with the extended keyboard, you've got uh, function keys F13 through F19 that you don't have on the standard keyboard. Plus you have the entire number pad and you can go into applications and set those numbers or maybe say hold down option and press those numbers to trigger uh, automations. And that gives you in effect uh, another whole set of buttons you can use for automation. In fact, that for me is always the siren song of the extended keyboard. I don't like that. I have to move my hand, you know, across another six inches to get to my mouse but those extra buttons are so useful, Rose. Mm. Well, I have a little tip for folks. If think, people are thinking, oh yeah, I love the idea of a number pad, but like moving my hand those extra six inches, you know, depending on your desk and, you know, various different things, those extra six inches might make life very uncomfortable for you. And the last thing I want to do is recommend you get repetitive strain injury. Um, but you can buy separate number pads. Um, and if you buy a separate number pad, then you could even put it on the left side of your keyboard. So you could have mouse on the right-hand side if you're right-handed, a trackpad on a uh, trackpad. Could be a trackpad. We'll get to the advantage of a trackpad and a mouse a little bit. Um, but uh, you could put a number pad on the left-hand side. Uh, you can get USB ones, you can get Bluetooth ones, or you can get like dedicated macro palette ones, which have got blank keycaps. So there's there's nothing written on the keys. Um, and yeah, like I would say that if folks are interested in the idea, you can pick these up for less than 10 bucks on Amazon. So folks should definitely consider this as something to try out and see. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, it, it might be uh, a really useful uh, pro power tool for you, or it may not work, but at less than 10 bucks, I would say it's worth a try if you're interested in it. Yeah. Uh, and you can also, I got, I'm going to stop talking about the stream decks till we get to the stream decks, but obviously you can also put all that stuff on the stream deck and you don't need to go to the number pad. Um the uh, one challenge with using an extended keyboard is if you have a laptop and you get reliant on automation triggers off the extended keyboard and then you go into laptop mode, they're gone. You know, So mm-hmm. you need to have alternate shortcuts for those. So in essence, you learn two sets of shortcuts, one when you've got the tiny keyboard and one when you've got the big keyboard, uh, which can become a, a gating issue for people. But honestly, it's not that difficult. You just, you know, like for instance... Uh, let's say you're using the F16 through 19 keys. Well, maybe you move those to you know somewhere else when you're in laptop mode. Um, mm-hmm. That that can be done, but it is like an additional kind of complication that comes with it. Yes, exactly, and it's one of those things where uh, you know you you need to figure out what it is. Personally, I find that the things closest to the command key on the left hand side are the ones that I'm going to want to use the most frequently. Um, and I am also very pleased to be able to update us and report in that my work laptop is powered on and I was able to double check the name of the app that cheats when I hold the command key is called Cheat Sheet and it's by Media Atelier, um, which is a, a French uh, company. But it it just pops up on your screen and shows you all the keyboard shortcuts. But the reason why is because for most of us, we're going to be using the command key a lot. Um, so I want to keep everything over on that that left-hand side pretty much. And so the further away it is, 
It's still things that I'm going to be using, definitely, but it's things I will use less frequently um, than the things that you know I'm, I'm using all the time. If I if I have something that I want to be able to use all of the time, I put that to the left, not to the right, because the right is what will go missing uh, when I am on my laptop's internal keyboard or something else. For me, it's uh, groupings of modifier keys that are really key. Like I am a big fan of the JKL semicolon keys like gamers use to move their character. If you ever talk to someone who does PC gaming, JKL is like the strafing, stopping and moving, then the eyes move forward. Like people like manage, it's almost like, you know, a joystick, but it's a keyboard version. And I, people, I always use WASD for that. It's yeah. kind of crazy. That I mean, there, it makes sense that there's both sides, but I've yeah. never heard of IJKL. Yeah. It was always WASD yeah. for me. Well, so people do that. I guess maybe it depends if you're right or left-handed. But for me, like um, window management for me is control and command, which I can hit with my left hand, and then JKL and the surrounding keys to do window management. And, and I, I've got different like setups. Like um, when I'm processing email, I use command and option plus WASD. You know, so it just depends. In my head, I've got these uh, combinations of modifier keys and. And I think that's something we all need to just figure out for ourselves. Um, uh, if we're going to talk about keyboards, I want to mention briefly, and we talked about this at length when when Brett was on, Brett Terpstra, the ultimate hacking keyboard. Uh, that is a keyboard built around this whole idea. And it's got, I think, five different keyboards inside of it where you can rotate between them. So like, you can absolutely use one of the keyboards to become a mouse um, control device. And one of them to be, you know, regular keyboard and two of them to become set entire sets of macros. Um, if you really want to go down that rabbit hole, you can. Um, I can officially say this now because I've had I've had it in my cart in the past. I had a tab open for it. I have somehow cured myself of the desire to buy an ultimate hacking keyboard. I keep going back and looking at it, but they're super expensive. And then, like, it's a cable, so you got, like, another cable stretched out. And the whole thing mm -hmm. looks like the ultimate hacking keyboard. I don't think I want something like that on my desk. And um, with my collection, my flock of stream decks, I don't think I need one. But the um, but that's another way to go about it if you want. And some people really love that ultimate hacking keyboard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there are other alternatives as well. There's, you know, any keyboard that you could program with via or via, as we we talked about when Chris Lolly was on the show. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there there's all sorts of things out there. Um, but I definitely recommend, you know, spend a little bit more time with your current keyboard. Um, and also um, the other thing that I want to, you know, just say before um, we, you know, move on is um, check out the different apps that you can use to modify that built-in keyboard as well. So I, I mentioned Better Touch Tool before, and there's a very good reason for this. It can do things like differentiate between the left command key and the right command key. Um, and so you can have when I press left command R, it does this. When I press right command R, it does that. Um and this may work very well for you. It may not work very well for you, but it's certainly something that is worth considering when you're looking at this stuff um, and going, oh, I, I want to be able to increase the possibility of the things that I can do. Well, you've got two sides of your keyboard, you know, when you combine them differently, uh, you know, you can have different things happen. So, you know, there's no need to rush out and spend loads of money. At this point in the show, you're maybe in for 10 bucks unless you went and bought a super fancy macro pad because you're ready for, you know, a later part of the show. 
Um, but uh, yeah, uh, if you if, if you spend any money, uh, I'd say better touch tool and maybe a number pad, maybe or maybe something else that we're going to talk about in a little bit will uh, pique your interest. Yeah, we're, we're going to do more on better touch tool on the show in the future, but uh, that's one that's going to come up repeatedly throughout this episode, and you can get it as part of your setup subscription, or you can just buy it outright. And uh, if you want to get serious with hardware buttons, uh, that's an app you want to have. This episode of Alternators is brought to you by Electric. When you think of the phrase boss move, you might think of making a bold business decision or maybe giving a great presentation in front of a big crowd. The reality is sometimes being a boss in a small business means sorting out the orange juice you spilled on your own laptop keyboard or helping a member of staff with setting up their new PC. The team over at Electric know small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. That's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. Instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions from your team, you can build that empire. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. Even if you are fabulous at IT, unless your job is literally being an IT department, you should learn to delegate and delegate this to somebody else if you can at all. Electric is perfect for those people who are trying to do all of the things at once because while you can stack a bunch of hats on your head, you're going to be better off focusing on the things that you can do and only you can do. And there are plenty of times that I would have loved Electric. So if you're running a small business and you've got folks using computers, you should check out Electric. For Automators listeners, Electric are offering a free pair of Beats solo free headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash automators. That's electric.ai slash automators. Go there now to get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of this show. All right. So we talked a little bit about macro pads in the last segment. Um, Chris talked about them a few episodes ago, but let's, uh, let's, let's go there. So Rose, explain to me the strange world of macro pads. Okay. So if you think of a keyboard, only instead of looking at the keys and seeing like an ampersand and a seven or a G or a full stop or whatever it is, you just see a picture of a puppy or a bin. Um, or maybe you don't see any pictures at all and you think, okay, well, what does this do? Well, if it's the bin, then that might give you a bit of an idea that it is the recycle bin It's going to empty the trash, right? Or maybe it's a delete key or a backspace key. Um, but a puppy, what does the puppy do? Well, if it's a puppy, you could program that to do anything you want. Um, it could even, you know, with the magic of home automation, uh, I don't know, um, like uh, unlatch, unlatch a dog door or something so that your dog can come in and go out. I have no idea. Um, but um, you could do anything you like with it. So a macro pad is basically part of a keyboard or a whole keyboard, um, maybe with a different layout that is just customized to do whatever you want. Um, and the way that it does this really depends on the macro pad and how you set it up. So uh, a, a way to do this would be to have it mapped to something like the hyper key and then a number of other keys as well. Um, and then have those keyboard shortcuts run things for you. Um, or um, you could just have something like better touch tool sit there. And when a particular key code is sent, because every key on a keyboard will send a key code when it's pressed. So when that particular key code sent, then a better touch tool goes, oh, right, this keyboard sent this key code. Bam, I'm going to go do that. Um, and off it goes. And so, you know, the macro pad 
is ingenious because it can take three keys. It could take one key or it could take 101 keys, however many keys you want to do something. And that's whatever you want. So I'm sure some folks will have seen over um, the over the course of the pandemic, there were a bunch of Kickstarters that popped up for like the ultimate Zoom mute, mute button or something like that, where it was just like this big red button. Um, and it was just basically sending the key code for the keyboard shortcut to mute Zoom. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so, um, you know, that's all it was doing. So it was sending, if you're on the Mac, uh, command option A. Um, and that's what it did. Basically, that's how they managed to get away with like without having to install software and stuff. Or maybe they did have to install software so that something else could interact with Zoom and and send that keyboard shortcut when it received the particular key code or whatever. But that's what they did. And if you think about it, it would be really cool to have a nice big red or green, maybe depending, could have some colors in there button on your desk that shows I'm muted or I'm not muted. Um, And then when you tap it, it toggles it. But if you work with Microsoft Teams and Slack and Zoom and I don't know, maybe throw in some WebEx um, and maybe even Skype still in there. Well, depending on which app you're in, you're going to need something different in each of those apps. And that's where a macro pad, even just a one button macro pad could come in super handy. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was looking at drop.com, which is a great site that always has a variety of macro pads. I always keep thinking, you know, maybe I should try one of these things, but because I'm so invested in the Stream Deck ecosystem, do I really need it? But, like, they've got a cool one here I'm looking at right now. It's got two dials. Like, it's got a big dial, like a big dial, and a little dial inside of it. So you could, like, set volumes. You could set it for scrubbing and video or whatever. And three little buttons on top of it. Well, I'm looking at that thinking, this would be perfect for editing screencast videos. Like, you scrub Mm -hmm. back and forth. You mark your in and out point, and then you hit the cut, and that's all you need is three three buttons to do that. It's like, damn, Rose, now I'm going to have to spend some money today. Well, I mean, those are pretty cool. Uh, I would also know if folks are intrigued by the idea of like a dial, um, then uh, there is a couple of other things. One that kind of falls technically into the mouse section or maybe other hardware, and then there's a stream deck that we're going to talk about later. Yeah. Um, so, you know, don't don't go by that just yet. Okay. Um, but yeah, thanks. Yeah, that, talk that, me that off is, the ledge. Well, I mean, I'm going to talk you onto a more expensive ledge later, David. Let's let's be honest here. Um, right. But um, <laughs> that, that's how the show works. Um, but you know, this is, you know, this is the brilliance of it, because if you think about it, when, you know, when you're at your desk, you know, you have like the places that you put your your fingers on on your keyboard to type. OK, so usually the recommendation is that you put your index finger on the left side on the F and the index finger on the right on the J. That's why they've got those two little dashes on there to help you orient yourself. Um, but if you think about it, you know, that's not necessarily the most comfortable position for doing other things in, especially if you're, say, using uh, one of those Wacom tablets or similar with Photoshop, you may actually want something that's not reach over this quite large Wacom tablet to press the button on the keyboard. You may want just the keys that you need within easy reach. And that's where a macro pack can come in really handy for that. Yeah. Well, there's a whole world of these macro pads and you can get oh, yeah. them, like like Rose said, you can get them with one button. But, you know, usually they're in the four to 12 button range and, uh, you know, it's a separate USB-C connector usually. So you've got a separate cable connection mm-hmm. and you can get custom keycaps for them. You can get them blank. Um, kind of imagine it as a stream deck without the lit buttons and their physical buttons and they're mm-hmm. super popular. And yeah. There's lots of ways you can use these things, so um, they're definitely worth checking out. 
yeah, if you're somebody who's into the idea of building like your own hardware and so on, and you've kind of thought of, oh, like uh, this, this seems like a, an interesting thing, you know, it could be a really good uh, DIY project as well. There's plenty of folks out there who are uh, streaming and making videos on how to do this stuff uh, by hand. So you could definitely uh, have a look into that if you're curious. The only thing I will caution folks about is if you are specifically looking to buy a macro pad, uh, a lot of the places when you buy a macro pad, it's kind of like you're buying a Lego castle. You're actually building the buying the Lego to build the castle. You're not buying the Lego castle. Um, so a lot of the times when you buy a macro pad, you will get like the components with which you need to construct a macro pad. Some soldering may be required or not, but definitely do your research before you just jump in and buy something. Uh, because otherwise you might be all excited. Oh, yay, my macro pad's arrived. And then it's like, wait, wait, do I, do I need Get my soldering, soldering iron, iron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, I'm going to have to go buy a soldering iron first type thing. So, yeah, a, a little, uh, you know, piece of fireware there. But, um, you know, you can definitely uh, have some fun. And as I mentioned before, you could just pick up like a, a number pad off of uh, Amazon or somewhere and, and, you know, give that a try to start with and, and see if that does something. Because, you know, you've You've got a, a cheap a cheap way to uh, try something out, and then you can uh, get nerdy with the other options in a bit. All right, um, let's talk about mice and trackpads real quick. Um, I guess yeah. we, there's a, there's additional control services game. We're going to get there, but let's just talk about what you already have on your desk. And if you're using an Apple Magic Mouse, there's actually quite a bit you can do with it. If you go to the mouse settings, they've got some additional settings where you can do scrolling and swiping with that surface of the apple magic mouse but this is another one where better touch tool uh really comes to the rescue the better touch tool the uh, tool set for the apple magic mouse is i think that's the reason i think that's the original reason better touch tool exists was either the mouse or the track that i'm not sure which one came first but there are so many gestures that they add like you know one finger tap to the left you know um, scroll up with a modifier key, you know, four finger gestures, three finger gestures, three finger double tap, you know, like you could put, I don't know, something like 50 different triggers onto a magic mouse if you wanted to using the, um, the you know, using the better touch tool tool set, um, which is really kind of amazing. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, you might be thinking, well, I don't really like, um, you know, the magic mouse. Uh, you know, it's it's given me personally a uh, quite bad hand cramp before when I've been using it even just for a few hours. So, uh, you know, I've I've moved to the magic trackpad, which you can go ahead and customize the same way. Um, or uh, if you've got another mouse and it's got some other buttons on it, you can do the exact same thing. Um, so I have um, a razor. I think it's the basilisk mouse. Uh, it's got some some extra buttons on there. And those are so useful for triggering things. So I've got buttons on the side that move backwards and forwards between spaces. And then there's another button um, at the front, uh, which uh, takes me back to my main space, um, which is great. And um, then I've got other buttons underneath the scroll wheel, which I haven't yet programmed. I've been trying to figure out what the best thing to do with those is. I was experimenting with um, home and end. So like go to the top of the page, go to the bottom of the page. Um, and uh, I quite like that, but there was something that didn't feel quite right about it to me. It didn't feel quite natural. Um, so I may have to, you know, give that a, a try and do some more experimenting. Um, but if you've got buttons on your devices, um, then, you know, you should check it out. If you've got a Logitech mouse, um, I should say um, that you you should ha have the option of installing the Logitech option software. Um, 
this is not my favorite software in the world, but if you you want to just get started with something that's, uh, you know, very easy to just, you know, I can see the button and I click the, the like I click the picture of the button and then I select what it does. It's a very good way to get started with that stuff. Um, and then, of course, um, there's Better Touch Tool uh, for, you know, the, the next level up, um, as you might say, with all of these things. So, yeah, it's definitely something I, I like. And, of course, David, we can't possibly let this moment slide without mentioning the fact that you can combine the keyboard and the mouse. Because if you're holding a modifier key, for example, a hyper key, when you yeah. click something, what happens? Well, maybe some magic happens. Depends on what you've programmed, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that that can all be done with Better Touch Tool. Yeah. It, it, I'm actually dual wielding currently. I, I have the trackpad on the left and the mouse on the right. And mm-hmm. so I really use the the left trackpad as more of a control surface. Like, you know, I've got all the gestures down. Like, I do a lot of video edits because of, you know, my job. And, uh, you know, zooming timelines, moving in the timeline, I've got a bunch of gestures in there programmed um, through Better Touch Tool. And, like, I have custom ones for ScreenFlow, which is where I do screencasting, a different one set of gestures that I do in Final Cut. But... Uh, I honestly sitting here probably couldn't tell you all the gestures I use because at this point my fingers just do it. It's almost like playing mm-hmm. the piano and I find it very handy and, and uh, not a problem at all. If you've got a, like a trackpad in a drawer and you're using a mouse or vice versa, I would recommend giving it a try. And the trick would be to put the mouse on your dominant hand and the trackpad on your do- non-dominant hand uh, at least that's what I have found works best. And then you find that you do a lot of gesture-based stuff on the trackpad to make a window look right or something. And like I was talking earlier about window management from the keyboard, but you can also, with Better Touch Tool, enable like force pressing corners and do all sorts of weird magic on the trackpad to do window management if that's your thing or you know launch certain apps. It's It's really amazing. And I feel like this is something that, a lot of people have the ability to do right now. There are people listening to the show that have a mouse with extra buttons on it they're not using, or there are people that have a trackpad on it that they're really not, you know, taking full advantage of. And um, if you want to automate, this is such a great way to to trigger your automations. And once you get those down, they just become second nature. Exactly, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's really about making this second nature and easy for you to use. Um, you, you don't want this stuff to be difficult to use. Um, and, and so that's why, um, you know, I have two buttons on my mouse, um, and I have programmed them, you know, they, they, they look like they might be sort of like, um, you know, uh, forward backward buttons and they could be forward backward buttons if I were in a browser. Um, but for me, um, the top one is most naturally moving towards my right. And the bottom one is most naturally moving towards my left, which is why I programmed them for move a space this way and move a space that way. Um, but if the other way around works better for you, then that's what you should do. Um, and it, it is very, you know, good to be able to just sit down and, and have a play with this and think. And once you've, you know, set up one thing, like give it a few clicks and then walk away, go get a coffee or, um, you know, a, a beverage of your choice, take a walk, whatever it is, come back and then, you know, work with it and then see if, oh, ah, that feels backwards or um, this doesn't feel quite right and and have a tweak and a play because it, it's one of these things where you will find over time that the way that you, um, you know, the way that the these things uh, work out is, you know, just 
that you have to adjust it as you go. So, you know, you'll, you'll see what works best. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Go to linkedin.com slash automators to find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Best of all, you can post your job for free today. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. It's so important you get the right person on a small team, and you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Every time I've needed to hire somebody, I wanted two things. I wanted both the skills necessary, but I've also wanted the right attitude. I wanted that person to show up and be ready to work and and enjoy working. And uh, to get those two things, you need a really powerful system that can filter for you. And that's what LinkedIn Jobs does. It finds you the right people with the right skills. And then you start talking to them and you figure out who has the right attitude. And the combination of that LinkedIn system combined with your interviews is going to get you the right person in the right position. It is so quick to create a free job post to LinkedIn. It just takes minutes. You can get in and get started right away. Then add your job and that purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. And simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That means you can start the year strong with the right team members. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com automators. Once again, that is linkedin.com automators to post your job for free. Make the right hire to make your team better. Terms and conditions do apply, and our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for the support of the automators and all of FM. All right, so we are moving on to dedicated control surfaces. This is the expensive part, I'm pretty sure. Uh, maybe, 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 maybe. <laughs> All right. Let me go first. Uh, I a couple of years ago because I do video edits. There's a there's a product that you can buy by a company called Contour Design called the Shuttle Pro, and what it is is it's a control surface for uh, video edits, and it's got a big dial on the end with positive stops in it, so you can click it around and move your playhead, and then it's got a bunch of buttons ergonomically located around it that you can program for your in and out points or your edit points or your cuts. And there are a lot of people that are very successful in editing using something like the Contour Shuttle Pro. Uh, I tried it for a few days and I just could not, it just did not feel like something I would use. Um, I was good enough on a keyboard and trackpad that I felt like this big honking thing on my desk wasn't going to earn its living. So I sent it back. I didn't keep it. But if you do a lot of edits or even like if you work in the Adobe suite, uh, the Shuttle Pro is something you want to check out, and it's affordable. I mean, it's in the $100 price range. Um, if you want to go crazy, there's another product that is similar, um, and it's the Loop Deck products. And Loop Deck is a company. They're over in Europe. I forget exactly where they're located, but they make several different um, attached keyboard products that are control surfaces. Uh, the Loop Deck um, is the main one. That's their, I guess they call it the Loop Deck Live now. It looks like they may have got a name change, but it's got 
um, six big dials on it, a bunch of buttons like the Stream Deck. It has um, uh, some buttons that are lit behind by an LED screen, so they're programmable. Um, the dials on it are fantastic, positive stops. The thing is machined aluminum. I spent a little time with one, um, and it's not for me because I don't make my living in Final Cut, but if you do a lot of like heavy in video stuff, the loop deck is really uh, impressive uh, for that. But it's not kind of like the jack of all trades that you get with a stream deck. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of these things where you, you have to kind of figure out what it is that you, you both want and what you actually need. Because just because it's it's pretty and it's shiny and it lights up and has pictures underneath the buttons is useless if you never, ever reach out on your desk to to touch the buttons. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for me, I've just been looking and I had a quick look. There's also media, Multimedia Controller Express from Contour. And that looks like it's about palm size-ish. And that looks very interesting to me. So I may be looking into one of those uh, in the not-too-distant future. Just It, it seems very practical um, for a lot of the things that I need. Um, but there are some some other ones out there, too, that we should get to. Yeah, but th- those are, are two companies that make good stuff. The contour design stuff is plastic, um, mm-hmm. well-made plastic. The, the loop deck stuff is... Uh, the build quality is better. It almost feels like if Apple made something like this and it's priced appropriately, you know, they're, they're, they're more expensive, but they're, they're very nice, but it, it really requires that you, you need those types of controls and, you know, you know who you are, right? Um, yeah. Maybe gaming streamers, uh, video editors, there's people out there that, that really can use these, these products a lot. I just feel like for what I do day to day, it, it wouldn't earn its space on my desk. And to me, like the space on my desk is kind of sacred, right? This is the stuff that I need to get my work done. I don't want stuff on here that's not going to get used. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is exactly it. And that's one of the reasons why uh, I picked up a little while ago the Zensi Labs Quick Keys. So Zensi is about X-E-N-C-E, um, and it's all one word with labs. Um, but this is like, if you think of the iPhone, it's a bit narrower than the iPhone. It has a dial at the top. It's got buttons going down the side. And then between those buttons, it's got a screen. It's not a touch screen. It's just a screen. But this is a programmable macro pad. But it's a step up from a macro pad in the sense it's got a screen on it. So it'll tell you what those buttons do because you can change what those buttons do in different apps. Um, it's okay, also got a well- dial. So that you can actually use that as, you know, volume if you're saying music or zooming in photos or similar. And it's got a decent build quality. I really like it. I found it's actually a very useful, right. portable macro pad slash dedicated hardware controller. So this is the thing about being friends with Rosemary guys. Occasionally she'll just send you a picture of something like one of these Zen C Labs quick keys, like on her yeah. desk. And then like, it's so tempting. In fact, you sent me the picture of this thing and I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, do I need this? And I, and I didn't, we never followed up on it. So tell me exactly what are you doing with it? I mean, what apps do you use it in and and where do you find it useful? Yeah. So for me, um, like my stream deck lives kind of, uh, behind my keyboard and mouse on like the rightish side of my desk. Um, and it's not, a stretch to reach it, but it is a little bit out of the way so I don't poke buttons accidentally. 
this is lying left of my keyboard, like almost immediately left of my keyboard. Um, and so um, I'm using this for all like those keyboard shortcuts that you can never remember. Um, yeah. For various different things. Um, and other things where, you know, I sometimes, some of this is actually just replicating what is on my stream deck just because I want the button wherever it makes sense. And sometimes I need to be doing something with my mouse and then I can press the button. Um, I often use this for like the keyboard shortcut that I need to press when I've got like this thing highlighted or selected or, um, you know, when I'm dragging something or, or similar because that will then, you know, it's you know there's only eight buttons on this and eight buttons doesn't feel like a lot um but you can program this um to have um you know uh like 40 programmable functions per application because you've got 50 you've got five sets um because so there's eight keys down the side and there's a button at the bottom where you can switch through um and you know i've i've just been using it for all sorts of things like um i i tend to keep um the top two buttons for um, like, I want to switch to this mode or that mode. Um, so like my most common alternative modes while I'm, you know, doing whatever it is that I'm currently doing. Um, and then um, the other buttons are, you know, for things like um, open up these particular files that I, I maybe need on a regular basis at work or um, switch to Slack. That's something that I'm always needing at work. Like, oh, Slack's beeped. Like, I don't need to, you know, command tab through six different applications that I've been in since the last time I was in Slack. I don't need to find my mouse and move it to the dock and open it. I don't need to command space and type SLA. I just press a button and it opens Slack. Um, and so I I have it set up for things like that. And then, you know, I, I reserve the Stream Deck for, for things like, yes, Slack is there, but it's also got a calendar next to it showing me, you know, like when I need to be doing the next thing and so on. Whereas this, it kind of just shows you text in between, um, which is a little sad, but also great. The thing that I, I do love about this is it's got that physical dial with like a, a mode button in between so you can switch modes, um, but it works wirelessly and wired. So if slash when it inevitably runs out of battery, I can plug it in and keep working with it uh, without having to, you know, um, you know, be like, oh, OK, I guess I'll leave it to charge for a while. And then, you know, you put it out the way and, th and that's it. You've forgotten how it works. Now, does it require it? I see they have a dongle. You have to buy the dongle in order to get the wireless function or is it? Uh, so I bought. I bought mine in a, a little bundle off Amazon that came with the the dongle and a little case for it as well, which is really nice. So I can, you know, like take it places uh, without worrying about damaging it. Um, and it, yeah, so I, I, I got a, a bundle. I don't know. I, I suspect based on the fact that their product page has the the dongle separately that the, the regular, like just buying that on uh, their website wouldn't include it. Um, but, uh, yeah, check, check Amazon as well. Um, I know that I got mine there, um, and, uh, it came with the dongle for sure. Um, and, uh, you can also, if you're interested in things like a trackpad, get it with a trackpad bundle. Um, the, the only thing that is a little bit of a negative about it, it's not a huge negative. It's a little bit of a negative is like you, you kind of need to use their software to set it up, um, and, and use it. Um, but. Um, what I did for anything that I couldn't do in their software is I just had it uh, like uh, send a keyboard uh, shortcut for whatever. And then and then that was it. That was all yeah, I needed. Then you can, yeah, once you get the keyboard shortcut in, then you can use all your automation prowess yeah. To, yeah. to send it off. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
exactly. So yeah, and I have to say, you know, it's um, it's uh, ninety pounds or um, like a, I think it's a uh, ninety five dollars on the US website. Um, so it's cheaper than things like the Stream Deck. It's ninety nine dollars ninety nine on the US website. Um, but um, you know, it's a little cheaper than the Stream Deck. Um, it's smaller. It doesn't have as many buttons, but it's definitely worth considering if you're looking for an alternative um, to that, um, just because it does have that screen built in. And for me, my biggest problem 100% of the time is that I forget what macros and magic I have set up for stuff. And if I if I don't have that little thing reminding me and saying like, hey, there's a thing for this, then I I, I am not going to remember to use it. And that that's kind of like the saddest part of this. Um, so yeah, I, I make a point of trying to... Uh, trying to like take take advantage of everything of uh, by putting it in front of me in a way that I'll actually remember what it is and what it does. Well, I'm I'm tempted. I'm going to have to look at this. Thanks for sharing. You know, this is the second time you've hit me with this one. Uh you got any mm-hmm. other control surfaces that you'd like to share? Uh yeah, I do have one more. Um and you're going to really hate me for this one, David. I'm really sorry in, in advance, folks. Um it this is the 3D Connections CAD mouse. Um And um, to be clear, I am not a 3D artist. This is not my day job. Um, But 3D Connections Cab Mouse is a really nice piece of hardware. Obviously, it's designed for and works really well with things like, you know, 3D modeling. But I found for me, it also works pretty nicely with, um, you know, like ScreenFlow. And things like that, because I can scroll backwards and forwards and you can like tilt it to left or tilt it to the right. So it's the 3D connection space mouse uh, specifically. And they do a wireless one that works with a dongle or a um, a wired one that just plugs in. Um, and there's there's an even bigger one that's got a screen on. I do not have that one. I've just got the the like it's slightly up from the standard one, I guess. Um Space Mouse Pro Wireless. There we go. And not the Space Mouse Enterprise. Um, but this is just, I find this to be like the ultimate solution for me when I am, you know, doing things like panning backwards and forwards because I can tilt left and right or I can um, scroll left and right. So like it would be like zooming out and in, but there's also pressing up and down, pressing forwards and backwards, tilting forwards and backwards. Those are actually different actions because you can like move the entire it's it's like a mini joystick Rose. basically in the middle, and then you've got some useful keys on the side. And so I'm really what sorry, David. Is this thing? This one is probably <laughs> it's it, it's awesome. It That's what like- it is. Um, I'm I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry because it's great. It, it it it's it's one of those things. It does not look like the most beautiful thing in the world, but it genuinely is great. Um, and I have to say as well, if you are doing 3D modeling and you've been like playing with it for a while and you're like oh gosh this is quite difficult to do um if you spend a bit of time with the space mouse and you go through their their tutorials in in the software and you figure it out and you set it up for your preferences it's so good it looks like it's on the starship enterprise like it looks like something that captain's chair it does yeah 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 exactly it's it's super cool um, and honestly, um, you know, I, I have found my 3D modeling, the the bit that I do that's, you know, for fun um, is better since I've been using this. So that's definitely a win. Um, that's not why I bought it, but that is definitely a benefit. Wow. So it says mouse on it, but does the whole thing move like a mouse or what? No, no. So it's just like the joystick part yeah. in the middle. It's got a little blue glowy ring around it. 
that's the bit that moves. Um, and then, you know, it, it moves like it, like the whole thing kind of like pushes forward and pulls backwards yeah. a bit. Um, but then it also like tilts where you can just like you press the top or you pull the bottom of it. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where it is bit, a bit of a mind bender as far as like spatial feeling goes, because you do need to learn like the differences. But once you've got it, it's so good. So good. And then what are you, what apps are you using all these features in? Um, so it really depends, but, uh, on my desk, I have my keyboard in the middle. I have the Zensi Lab quick keys immediately to the left of that. And then I have this left again. Um, and this is, you know, I actually use it sometimes for just scrolling up and down web yeah. pages because it means that I can be, you know, like, you know, often picking up a glass of water with yeah. my right hand because my right hand's steadier than my left hand. Um, but, um, you know, I'll use it for horizontal scrolling, panning and zooming, um, in things. And like, it's, also predominantly useful for you know you've got a big audio or video track and you need to like move in and out on it and scroll around and and stuff like that so you know that's predominantly what i've used it for but it's great for that 3d modeling as well if you want to give that a go wow and it's got enough uh extra buttons on it that you can trigger automations from it so yeah oh yeah 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 I, i didn't get around to the extra buttons it has like um the command keys on there it's got escape shift control and option uh, it doesn't have a command key as in the word command because it, it, this is predominantly aimed at Windows and Linux users. But um, actually, I'm not sure the software works on Linux. But either way, uh, there's quick keys on the right, which are designed for like resetting your views um, or like toggling rotation on and off or something. Um, and then there's four buttons at the top, which are macro buttons. So, yeah, you, you've got that. But those 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 other buttons around the side are actually programmable. So and there's 15 in total. So. <laughs> 15 buttons and a crazy scrolling experience. Or if you just want the crazy scrolling experience, you can buy that. Now, would this also be a mouse replacement for you? So you could just put it like under where your mouse normally is, or this is. I mean, you probably could. I'm not sure I would like that. It is a very, you know, um, that you've got like, so the original mouse had like the trackball underneath. And then there were the mice with the trackball on top which some people got used to and really loved and a lot of people really hated. It's kind of like that with the trackball on top with an extra layer of obstacle course on top of it until you get used to it. And I feel like like I use both of them in concert at times. Like I'm 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 working with them together. You know, like you're playing the piano, you use your left hand and your right yeah. hand. I'm using the mouse and this. So I feel like just moving it over to the other side would just break my brain in a lot of ways i i could give it a try at some point but i have a feeling like i'd have to reprogram everything so i'm not sure that that would be uh a good experience for me um but I, you probably could yeah i just I'm, I'm not sure i would do that um but hey maybe maybe somebody out there is using it like that this is crazy if anybody's using it send it because we're gonna do a feedback show pretty soon I want to hear what people are doing with yeah. this mouse <laughs> because I'm intrigued. I have to admit, I mean, of course, something like this is going to attract me like a moth to a flame. But I mean, and gang, if you're listening, when you get back to wherever you're going, don't do it while you're driving, but you got to go look at a picture of this thing. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. It is. It is. I mean, it is like, <laughs> it is. Uh, it's like a wave um, made of black plastic. Within this like joystickish yeah. type controllery thing, but it's just one yeah. bit. There's no buttons on it rising up in the middle. But then as the wave kind of like ripples out around that, then there's buttons on either side, and then there's four buttons at the back. 
it, it looks very weird. There is also just the um the space mouse, um, which is just like the 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 joysticky part. Like I'm calling it the joysticky yeah. part because I don't know how else to explain it in a way that will just kind of kind of make sense to people in their head when you go look at this thing. You will then be like, "That looks nothing like a joystick," and I completely understand that, and I will accept your feedback to that the that point. But also, like once you see like a video of somebody using this, you will also understand what I mean when I say it's like a joysticky type thing. I, you could probably use this for playing fight, flight simulator. I'm not sure I'd recommend it, but you probably could if you wanted to. Yeah. Well, go check it out, and uh, I'm not sure how much automation you could trigger with this thing, but it. It is oh, one. you got plenty of buttons. It's it's more a case of like for me, like I don't have to find an alternative way to automate, say, like scrolling backwards and forwards in a yeah. in a video yeah. because I can just like slide to one side. And if I so this is the difference. If I slide to one side, I move slowly backwards. If I tilt to one side, I move faster backwards. And just uh yeah, and so the and these are not yeah. inexpensive. So you're looking at um, to get the wireless no. one is three hundred and thirty dollars in U.S. and yeah. the wired one is two eighty. So this is this is quite a yeah. mouse. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's cool, yeah. Rose. Thanks for sharing that. I uh, I didn't even know that existed. No, uh, yeah, I I actually found it through uh, a friend uh, who actually uses one of these at work. Um, so a uh, engineer. Um, but, uh, yeah, the company was, uh, selling off, uh, some of theirs because, uh, they bought wireless ones and then they realized that wireless ones were a mistake. So they were buying wired ones, um, because wired ones tend to disappear from desks much less frequently than wireless ones, ah, it turns out. Yes. Um, and people have fewer problems charging, uh, wired ones cause they don't need charging. So I managed to get it, uh, discounted, uh, through a business sale there, which worked out quite nicely for me, but yeah, they, they are pricey. Uh, but if you can pick up one secondhand or, you know, borrow one from a friend or someone, something to try out, then it's an experience that is worth having. I wouldn't necessarily say everybody should buy one of these, uh, but it's definitely a fun experience. This episode of Automators is brought to you by DocParser. DocParser is the most advanced, flexible cloud-based document passing and automation tool on the market. With DocParser, you can extract data from your frequently used documents, such as PDFs, Word docs, and scanned image files. This data can then be sent anywhere. You can download it directly to Excel, CSV, JSON, or XML, use native integrations such as Google Sheets and Salesforce, or make use of third-party favorites, such as Zapier, Integromat, or MS Power Automate, to connect hundreds of endpoints. DocParser also has templates for invoices, purchase orders, bank statements, HR forms, and shipping orders. Or you can build your own document capture data extractor within minutes. DocParser's engine extracts relevant data fields from inside your documents based on parsing rules which are tailored to your needs. Create your own rules for their PDF and document parser is so easy and requires no coding. DocParser identifies and extracts data using zonal OCR technology, advanced pattern recognition, or with the help of anchor keywords. Once set up, new documents are automatically processed and you'll get the structured and easy to handle data in return. Listeners of this show get an exclusive offer for a free parser assistant where you'll work with someone at DocParser to create a custom parser of your very own. This usually costs $149. Just visit docparser.com slash automators or send an email to contact at DocParser with your documents and the data points you would like to extract and they will build a parser for you. Once again, that's docparser.com slash automators to find out more and get a free parser assistant. Our thanks to DocParser for their support of this show and Relay FM.
All right, let's check in on Stream Decks. We did a whole show on it, I think, about a year ago, and uh, we have uh, things have changed since we were last talking about Stream Decks on the show. Uh, first, let's kind of break down the new hardware. You know, in addition to the traditional Stream Decks, which is a panel of X number of buttons, um, they have released the Stream Deck pedal now, which is a USB-C cable connected. Uh, pedal that you can put under your desk and it's got three different uh, pedals on it and um, you can program them just like any other other stream deck button but you can kick it with your foot and uh, you can mute like uh, because I use the Elgato Wave XLR for my audio it's it's effectively my mute button now I just reach down with my foot and tap it and the mic goes dead and um, but you can use the pedal in all sorts of other ways if you've got like things you frequently do in apps that you want, uh, you can use the pedal. Um, I find that primarily I use it when recording. Like I also mm-hmm. use it to kick off and stop uh, recordings in, in uh, ScreenFlow or uh, any kind of recording I'm doing. I use pedal buttons for that. I also find it very useful in Zoom. You know, like you've all been on Zoom calls where suddenly the dog races through or whatever and you want to turn the camera off. You can just do it with your foot. Um, which is kind of nice. Um, so I find all sorts of uses for it like that. I don't find myself using it in things like OmniFocus and Apple Mail. Um, mm, but uh, no. where I do like it, I, I use that. So that's a new piece of hardware. Roasted, what are you doing with your pedal at this point? Well, as we record this show, I'm using the pedal to navigate back to uh, the show notes. Uh, that's what happens if I click, if I press the the left pedal. Yeah. If I press the middle pedal, it adds a timestamp so that we can let Jim, our wonderful editor, know that there's you know either a chapter marker we want to add or an edit point or something like that. Um, and then uh, the the right one activates uh, Safari. Um, so that's just you know me looking at whatever website it is or the um, sponsors and things like that as we're as we're going through. Um, so, you know, I, I have it set up for that. Obviously, um, you know, I have different modes with this, so I yeah. don't always have it looking, um, you know, show note timestamps, um, which is, to be clear, that just runs a keyboard maestro macro. Um, like, for example, when I'm recording iOS today, I have it activate different scenes in Ecamm Live so I can pop up my iPhone or I can pop up my iPad or I can just switch back to just me. Um, and having this on a foot pedal is so useful. You know, you you open a screen and you realize, shoot, like I my address is posted like right there. Um, or like somebody else's address is just showing up on the screen. Uh, you can just hit a button like, and my foot is, you know, my foot defaults to the middle, which is natural, um, you know, with this because the the right pedal and the left pedal are raised. So you can feel it. I'm wearing very thick slippers right now, to be clear. Like they're proper like sheepskin slippers um, and they're very fluffy ones. Highly recommended. Um, but, um, you know, there's, um, you know, I can, I can naturally navigate to that, that middle button and, and move back. Um, I do also use it, um, in like, uh, uh, teams or, uh, Slack huddles at work. Um, I've been trying to figure out like the best way of handling that, um, just because, um, neither of those apps are particularly scriptable. Um, and yeah, so I've been, you know, messing around with trigger particular keyboard shortcuts and so on, but some of the keyboard shortcuts I want to trigger aren't actually keyboard shortcuts and you can't add them to a keyboard shortcut and triggering them via a menu is not possible. So I have to kind of use keyboard maestros, click an image, and that doesn't necessarily work if the window is too small. So I'm still figuring that out. But uh, generally, I'm reserving it for recording. Um, but it, it does make uh, my life a lot easier with that. So yeah, I'm I'm really glad that I have it. 
even though I do use it, you know, it gets intensively used a few hours a week, um, like maybe three. Um, but it is worth it because it's just right there under my foot without taking up any more space on my desk and without being in my way. You know, it's it's towards the back. So, you know, I reach my foot forward for it rather than having it like under where my feet usually are. It's it's backwards a bit, which works perfectly. Yeah, I, I really like it, too. And uh, you've got some inspiring uses. I need to to be more aware of it and try and figure out more ways to use it. But the um, like I was thinking the other day, like I was going through just doing a review and OmniFocus. Why not just hook a pedal trigger up to the review and say, OK, it's reviewed give it a kick mm-hmm. and then it jumps to the next one. And, you know, the nice thing is with, with the automation we talk about on this show, whether it's, it's, it's shortcuts or keyboard master or whatever, um, you can have the pedal do multiple things. And that's, that's kind of awesome. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then most recently, uh, Elgato released the stream deck plus, which is a new piece of kit. It's got eight stream deck buttons on it, but they're larger than the normal size stream deck buttons They're, uh, which is really nice if you're displaying like information on them. Uh, and then it's got a, uh, a touch panel, um, that is the width of four buttons mm-hmm. and below that it's got four dials. Now these dials are not the quality of the loop deck dials I was talking about earlier, but they do have positive stops. And they yep. work nice enough. And, and it work, it's kind of an evolution, but the Stream Deck software supports it. And there's a multiple uh, functions you can put on it. Like the obvious ones are like volume and brightness. Like if you have any of the Elgato lighting, you can control it with those dials. Uh, but you can also have it trigger um, uh, keyboard actions. So like um, like I have the the keyboard shortcuts for moving right and left between spaces. So I can turn the dial and move between spaces. Uh, when I'm in screen flow, I have the dial program to sc- uh, scrub right and left. In fact, I have two of them. One of them scrubs fast and one of them scrubs slow and I can uh, navigate my, my playhead very quickly that way. So uh, it's, it's an interesting piece of kit because it has new control surfaces and, uh, that touch display only relates to whatever's on the dial. You can't uh, program them independently. That's one niggle I have with it. But it's an interesting thing, and and I've got it on my desk, and I didn't send it back. I, I immediately found use for it. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I have found um, with the Stream Deck is um, the Elgato software is okay. Like, it's fine, but it, it's not great, and I wish it was better. But... Fortunately, that app that we've been talking about all episode, and I mean all episode, Better Touch Tool can program the Stream Deck. And I am really pleased. I was just poking around in there again because, um, you know, I, I go back in and check periodically, maybe not as often as I should, um, on uh, how Better Touch Tool is doing with the Stream Deck Plus. David, it supports everything except double press on the dials. Yeah, it, it is. It supports the touch screen and everything. So to start with, when Stream Deck Plus came out, um, the folks over at Better Touch Tool, um, you know, they added Stream Deck Plus, and obviously you've got the eight buttons across the top. They could do stuff with that right away. They figured out the dials going forward and backwards uh, pretty quickly, um, and then they added the the pressing of the dials, and now they've added the touch screen. And oh my gosh, am I so excited for this, because this has been what's kind of been holding me back a little bit from, um, you know, working uh, with uh, the Stream Deck um, uh or the Stream Deck Plus and with Better Touch Tool because I much prefer using Better Touch Tool to program my Stream Deck, but I also struggle with uh, not being able to use the, the Plus with that. And 
there's two ways that you can use Better Touch Tool, to be clear. You can either um, replace the Stream Deck software with it or you can just add buttons through the Stream Deck software and the replace mode is so much more powerful. Um, But yeah, it was just one of those things where I was having to wait a little while for it and now it's here and I'm, yeah, I I would say that's my weekend gone, but I'm going away this weekend. So I'll have to be uh, the the rest of the week um, uh, before this releases that I'll be playing with that. But yeah, I think we're going to have to come back and just do an episode on Better Touch Tool and everything it can do because this is so fun. Yeah, I mean, we're doing, I've got some people in the Max Market Labs who have already converted fully to it, and I'm going to do some interviews with them. I haven't done it myself yet because I think it literally is like a full-day project to do this. I have so many buttons programmed. And the Better Touch Tools, I'm sorry, the Stream Deck software is not terrible, but it's not great either. You know what I mean? And the Better Touch Tool software is great. And he he's listed this as a beta feature for a while. Uh, so I've always kind of held back. But like you, I keep going in and looking at the tools he's added. Basically, anything you can do with Better Touch Tool now, you can, you can custom program your Stream Deck to do, which is awesome. Uh, one thing that worries me a little bit about it is the entire thing is reliant on some open source software called Hammerspoon, which is another thing a lot of people use to to custom program stream decks. Um, so he's reliant on that continuing to work in order for this to work. If it's open source, then the yeah. good news is, is somebody else, if it were to go away, somebody else is going to be able to pick that up and fork it and continue with it. Um, so, you know, it, it's one of those things where it sounds scary, but often when when it's something like this and it's popular, it is much better than it being closed source. You know, if Adobe yeah. decided tomorrow they weren't going to sell Photoshop anymore, that would be the end of it. Uh, yeah. But something open source like Bunch, um, or sorry, not Bunch. Bunch is not open source. It's documentation. Is, um, but something open source like Hammerspoon um, absolutely is. Um, Home Assistant, that's a good example. If uh, the founders of Home Assistant decide they weren't going to do anything tomorrow, which to be clear, I, as far as I'm aware, is very definitely not happening. They're super excited about their voice assistant. Um, but, you know, it's it's all there. All the code is there on the internet and you can take it and use it um, and provide attribution back to to do whatever. So I think we're probably pretty safe on that. Yeah, no, and that, that's what I was, to finish the thought, you know, I have decided, look, it's going to be fine. And the Stream Deck software, I could always go back to it. So I'm going to archive, obviously, my and save backups of my current setup with it. But I, I'm going to make the move to Better Touch Tool. I totally believe in the software. Um, the guy who makes it is awesome. Uh, by the way, you know this is one of those developers who who quit a day job just to make one app, and that's why Better Touch Tool has all these features that we love. So if you're interested, you should buy it or or subscribe to it. If you have set app, you should absolutely download it. That helps them out too, because we want to encourage this kind of stuff. But uh, it's been beta for a long time, but I think it's got to a point where I need to just take a day and set it all up. And um, I think that's actually going to be a lot of fun for me. That's the kind of stuff I enjoy. Uh, but yeah. there, there is some crazy stuff you can do with this. And uh, Rose is right. To really do this right, you need to let Better Touch will just take over your stream decks. And that's the other point I wanted to make. I have my stream decks have multiplied. It's it's. Crazy. The last time we talked about it, are you I, sure it's not the trouble with Stream Decks, David? Instead of the trouble with Tribbles, yeah, because exactly. it, feels it feels like, like that. It, yeah, it does. It feels like there's just Stream Decks everywhere. Well, the last time we recorded, I had a Stream Deck XL, and then in the Max Market Labs, we were doing a meetup, and one of the listeners was talking about, well, he's got two, and he uses one as a static 
Stream Deck where the buttons never change. So like key lighting controls, key setups and things like that are always there. And then he's got a second XL that that is dynamic, you know, like, um, and I said, oh, you know, that actually makes a lot of sense. And then after we finished the call, one of the listeners wrote me and said, hey, I have an XL. It's just not for me. I don't use it. It's in a drawer. You know, I'll sell it to you. So I'm like, okay. So I bought it from him. And then off of um, off Etsy, somebody 3D printed me a nice little rack where you can put them right on top of each other. I'll, I'll put a picture mm-hmm. out with the, uh, with the show when it goes out. But so I've got a static one on top, a dynamic one on bottom. And like, it's really great. For instance, like I've got a button on the static one that says automators. It's our show art. And if I click that, the entire bottom 32 buttons re- remap themselves for stuff I do when I'm making the automators, you know, you know, uh, running the setup, recording the ads, doing the outline, all the stuff that I can do. In fact, I'm not using them all because I don't have 32 things I need to do related to the show. But like I can tell you right now, it's 7.53 p.m. in London. You know, it's like it gives me everything I need to to make this show on a um, on this dynamic bottom one. And it's great. Then, of course, I added the Stream Deck Plus because I couldn't help myself. But I use that largely for recording tools and, and action. And then I've mm-hmm. got the buttons below, you know, in the pedal. So I've, I have four stream decks running and uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm a little uh, intimidated by going a uh, better touch tool over. Cause I've got to reconfigure four stream decks, not just one. And um, yeah, that's going to be work. And the one, the dynamic one has about 10 different setups on it, you know, 10 different screens, whether I'm, you know, in OmniFocused managing mail, making Mac power users, doing work on a new field guide, all those buttons keep remapping themselves as I go throughout the day. So uh, I got a little project ahead of me, Rose. You do. Uh, I have to say uh, what I did is I managed to go find the actual Stream Deck uh, like configuration. I, I backed up my Stream Decks um, and exported the backup files. And then I uh, you know, just opened up the files in BBEdit. Um, and they're XML files. Uh, you don't need to be able to read like the code behind yeah. it. Um, you can just like look at the words and then you'll see like something that's called OmniFocus. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and it does this thing and this thing and this thing. And that was very useful. Um, the other thing that I did, because um, uh, once you switch Better Touch Tool to taking over the Stream Deck, you, you need to quit the Stream Deck software to be able to work yeah. with it. So you can't so look I, at I it. did screenshots. Yeah. Um, of all of the different screens um, so that I I had all of them. um, And that worked out really nicely as well. So it was worth it. Like I've done it on my work machine. I'm still in the process of um, swapping it over on my personal machine because like you, I have a lot of buttons and uh, it feels like every time I sit down to do it, I end up being pulled into six other things. Um, But, uh, you know, it's it's worth doing it. My work uh, machine is a lot happier since I switched to using a better touch tool instead of the Stream Deck software. So I, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, I'm I'm going to. And, you know, I've had plenty of bugs with the Stream Deck software over the years. Um, totally unrelated, I spent more money with Elgato last week. Oh. Did you get the email last week? They they I might have done. They released a green screen and oh. it's a self-contained green screen where it mm-hmm. lays on the floor, you pull it up, it's and got, you pop it up. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's under tension, so it's flat, it doesn't have wrinkles in it. And yeah. it's 160 I bucks. I ordered it and I put it up and I'm shocked at how good it is. And I don't need a green screen often because I have a great studio, but sometimes I do. And 
the way I used to set it up would take me like a half hour and it was lousy. And now it takes me five minutes and it looks great. So uh, Elgato, you guys, you know, two thumbs up from Max Barkey. You just keep making great stuff. Yeah, I have a, one of these. It's not an Elgato one, but it's the same sort of thing where it's in like a tube um, with a pole and then you pop it up and you, you kind of click yeah. it to the top of the pole. Um, and I picked one of those up from Amazon during the pandemic. And I have to say, it's a really useful thing when I need it. I don't need it super often, but when I do, it's there. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's great because it doesn't take up much space. It's I mean, it's bigger than a golf umbrella. It's not that much bigger than two golf umbrellas and a bit taller. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty good. I just prop it up against the wall in the corner, but when I need it, I can have it up and running in five minutes. Nice. Exactly. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Definitely right. recommend that sort of thing. So there we go, gang. Um, I am going to put this whole thing about this CAD mouse out of my head for at least a day. I don't okay. know. I, I don't know. So this, is, this is scary. Here's betting, folks. By the time this episode releases, David will have bought either the Sensei Labs Quick Keys or the CAD mouse or possibly both. We'll we'll have to let you know. I the Zinsi keys, the Zinsi Labs actually is more attractive to me because I feel like oh that I could see myself using the, that. The thing that I really like about it is you can chuck it in your bag with you and go somewhere, um, because it's so small and it's yeah. so light. Yeah, and that that's where it like it's it's kind of the the portable stream deck in the very truly portable sense. So, but yeah, I still don't exactly understand what you do with this CAD mouse. You know what I mean? It's just like so it's not really a mouse. It's just a con- yeah. it's just a control surface, I guess. That's what yeah, it's a control surface. Yeah, yeah, it's All a control right. surface that has macro buttons built in. Yeah. Okay. Well, what about you? Did I tempt you to buy anything today? Sure. I mean, mostly that I just need to sit down and spend some time moving everything over into the Better Touch Tool uh, app for my Stream Deck stuff, and then we can come back and talk about that. Um, I am definitely intrigued with the the Contour um, uh, design um, shuttle, uh, the the little one, not the Pro, um, but um, or the Controller Express. Sorry, but um, I'm not sure. I'll I'll continue thinking about it and and see you know, see what happens. But I'm not sure what that uh, would do for you that the cat mouse doesn't do. Well, the thing with the cat mouse is it's quite big. So if I need more space on my desk, then uh, I, I have to put it away. Um, and it is, you know, it's a big thing. Um, so for me, this, and the other thing is, is this I would potentially use for volume, like a permanent volume dial or similar. Maybe I should just look for something that's a volume dial. And that's what I actually want because that's usually what I want actually, to be fair. What about so the Stream Deck uh, Plus? button yeah i mean i am using that as well it's just one of those things where sometimes like having a like this is just like this thing and it does this um would be great maybe what i actually want i think what i want david is i need to um hook up i've got i bought a nike a symphonisk button one of the old ones um there's just like a dial and i need to hook that up so that when i uh use that then it pauses or it re- uh, resumes playback on my home pods and then adjusts the volume up and down here in the office that's what i need to do well either so, way that's my I- project Rose and I will continue to be testing out this automation stuff for the listeners. We're doing it for you, of course. And uh, of course. We'll, we'll see you in a few weeks with more automation. Uh, we are the Automators Podcast. You can find us at relay.fm slash automators. You can find our forums at talk.automators.fm. Thank you to our sponsors today, Electric and LinkedIn. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye, folks.